This is the CineSnob Podcast. Welcome to episode 169 of the CineSnob Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And I'm Jocelyn Duran. Let me be the first to say, nice. You know, I was going to say that that, uh, when it was just the two of us, of us us dudes, we probably would have been 69. But now that there's a woman here, we got to be a little classier. Now you get to hear a woman laugh at that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Gets to crack wise at... uh, I think we I think we did a, on episode sixty nine. I think we did like a whole three minutes on it. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I'm fine that doesn't with sound that. like us. I'm fine with that. The potty humor. That's where I draw the line. <laughs> What's it? Wait, what? What's Just the difference? Anything like I don't know. Like bathroom so related. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> if it's immature middle school boy stuff, that's okay. But so is potty humor. Yeah, what's, what's but that's di- that's the. So, like, if we joked about about doos or something, that uh-huh. would be that would cross a line. But yeah, I might. So that's literal potty that. humor. That's yeah. weird. That's exactly. very strange. That seems like a an odd uh, an odd line to draw. <laughs> it's just like the most basic form of comedy. <laughs> so someone could be like someone could be like like 69 huh joss and you'd be like yeah yes, and then, then they're like that's hilarious. And then they then they fart and you're like come on yes exactly you got it <laughs> that is me in a nutshell <laughs> what a weird uh distinction to make like come grow the fuck up exactly like how old are you <laughs> but you said 69 <laughs> <laughs> and Anyway, um, yeah, so uh, here we are in um, the uh, 80th week of quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, t- cases are, uh, are, are climbing again of coronavirus, of COVID-19. Um, meanwhile, um, states like Texas are, uh, you know, people are going out to bars. We have uh, a lot of bars here in Austin that have had their liquor licenses revoked because they... Yeah, I just checked that list. None in San Antonio. Thank you, Austin. Hey, you're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, it was like a, like crowded bars uh, shutting down. And guess what? Uh, finally set a date for reopening movie theaters. Yay. Yay. Um, <laughs> so just in time for uh, Tenet and Mulan. Um, so everyone believes uh, the big chains, AMC, Regal, and Cinemark, announced a reopening date. Do you have it in front of you, Cody? Uh, I know that... It's I like think mid-July. I think sometime. Regal is July 17th. I don't know about the other ones, but I, know, I think Regal is July 17th. Um, so, yeah, the um, Alamo Draft House has not announced a reopening date. Um, there's some teasing that it may have happened this week that they announced that. However, uh, the biggest controversy uh, this past week was AMC theaters saying they were not going to require customers to wear masks in places where it's not required, as in like um, here in Austin and there in San Antonio where you two are, it's required by city ordinance. Um, But places that it's not required, they were not going to require masks. And um, they kind of stepped in shit when they called it and they said they didn't want to be uh, political about it. Right. Because that's the world we live in, you two, mm-hmm. where um, wearing a mask is a political statement. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> so um, what do you think? Are you ready to go back to a movie theater, either of you? I don't know. No. <laughs> I don't know. Not at all. I mean, 
it's 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 a pretty simple thing. I so we were a group of us film critics were in a Facebook chat um, last week, and uh, and essentially we had the topic tossed around of let's say you know Warner Brothers sets a screening for Tenant. What would it require for you to attend? We were kind of just like throwing it out there because. You know, we obviously it comes down to personal choice, but you know, are there a list of things could they do? Like, could they, if they guaranteed that everything was sanitized and it was just critics only and no audience, and if it was, you know, social distancing was in there and so on, like, was is there a list of things? And I was kind of, I don't know that there is a combination of things that would put me in a comfortable place, period, at this point. Um, like, yes, you can do things to mitigate it and, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with critics because I think, you know, New York and LA are not going to be anywhere close to being ready for something like that. And that's where a lot of the critics reside, at least, you know, for a lot of the bigger publications. So I'm curious to see what they do for screenings, um, just in general for, for critics and, and if they try to, you know, put in measures to make people feel better but as far as a main audience member that's a major hell no like i would not buy a ticket to a movie and go see it for sure <laughs> uh um so what do you think is going to happen i mean we i think we talked about this last week or the week before i mean do you think this is this is a legit possible plan moving forward which Either. Which Either part? of you, I mean, like, like, I'm sorry, like, like the reopening, the, yeah, like actually reopening on July 17th. Like, do you think that's going to happen? Well, I do, yeah, I think it will. I, I don't. I it, to me, it depends on what happens with these cases because in, in I, I I just don't think that they can have an across the board opening. I don't think that they can scale it in a way that makes sense because there are certain states that are spiking big time. But they're not doing anything about it now. So I mean. What would have to happen before they say, oh, okay, now we have to go back? It's already, uh, I mean, San Antonio is a hot spot, so we're like doubling our cases Here in a too. time that it's, you know, not mm-hmm. supposed to be. So, well, and you know, like, like state leadership has already kind of said, like, we're never closing down again. Yeah, exactly. We're not going back. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, obviously it's going to come down to, um, I think the individual mandates in the city, like, I, I don't think they can uh allow them keep them shut down but i mean keeping people away or requiring people to wear masks i think is going to be the biggest thing um moving forward and i again that we're in a state where or in a not a state but in a um a time where wearing that is a political statement mm-hmm. which mine just says the mask on it there's no nothing political about it it's just a joke about a shitty no, jim carrey movie you took yours off when you were in tulsa right <laughs> when I, <laughs> Jared just I, I, flew back. I was not gonna get. Um, I was not gonna be a cuck. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> no. I. Uh, you know what's weird? We, uh, my wife and I, actually went out to eat yesterday uh, for the first time. We were like, "Let's go see what it's like," and it was so weird because we walked in with a mask, and then like the place was dead, and there was no one seated around us. And I took my mask off. I was like, this is such a strange new reality. Right. But I was never like, yay, let's go out to, you know, crowd around at a bar or, or squeeze into a movie theater or, or anything else like that. And uh, I, I can't imagine being comfortable doing that. I mean, I don't like sitting beside people at the movies if I don't have to anyway. If it's not, you know, if, yeah. I, if, like, if it's not my wife or someone, a friend of mine, like, I don't really <laughs> want to sit by them, you know? The, the, th- the thing that I struggle understanding is... 
is how things return back to full capacity theaters by that date. And to me, if they're not at full capacity, which I can't imagine that they are, because, I mean, in the age of social distancing, it's not going to be possible to do and keep full capacity in the theater. It's just impossible. So are these movies going to come out and risk losing, you know, 20, 25 to 50%, if not more, of the capacity of each auditorium in order to maintain social distancing and just kind of throw that money away? And I just cannot see any movie on any major level making that risk of, of essentially sinking part of their cost um, in, in, a, in, in a way that's, I mean, I just, I just can't imagine that on July 31st or, when, or you know, even July 17th when something else comes out, that you're going to walk into a movie theater and potentially be sitting in a auditorium full of strangers with just no problem. I just, I can't imagine that. It's, it seems like, um, like it's a, it's a big attempt to get back to normal for a lot of people. And I just wonder how many people are going to want to, to make that, take that risk, man. I just don't, I just don't know. I just can't imagine being squeezed, especially in the list theaters where we have all these screenings. They're usually like the kind of, you know, uh, late nineties, early two thousand style stadium seats. Yeah. Where you're all packed together and you got to kind of, um, crawl over everyone to get in and out. Yeah. Um, the more modern, um, you know, like big giant recliners, I'm not, I wouldn't be as concerned about, but man, I don't like, cause tenant, like they're not going to give you tenant. Tenant's not going to be a home screener. It's not going to be a home release ever. Right. But but if they offered you, if they said, hey, we're going to sanitize the theaters, it's going to be critics only, we're going to make you spread out, um, and you have to wear a mask, like, would you go to that? Man, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think I care that much. Yeah. You know, I, I mean. What if it was the Muppet, like a Muppet movie? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> no, uh, not even, I mean, even, you know, it would have to be something like i don't know i mean no because it's there's no like precedent for this because it's not like you know when i went to see um uh what was it that i went to see uh that i i had like just thrown out my back oh um was that uh star wars was that rise of skywalker yes that's what it was you're right um because you were there and i had thrown out my back the day before and my wife had to take me to the er and i had some like painkillers and I was already off for the day, and I was like, you know what? I'm fuck it. I'm gonna go to the movie. Like that's the thing. Like I was not feeling well, and it was a pain in my ass to go there. But I was like, you know what? Who cares? Like it wasn't gonna hurt anything to be there, and like I was just gonna be sitting down anyway. But you know, when it's this is a different situation. You know, this is like I don't want to go and potentially get sick. Like I mean, I could obviously you can go anywhere and potentially get sick anytime. But this thing is so contagious and so widespread that it's like. Do I really give a shit about like no one's going to see I, like I'm not going to miss out on Tenet eventually because they don't, you know, because I didn't see it in the theater that day. It's not like a Star Wars film where like if I didn't see the screening, I'd feel like I missed out. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. I, I just don't I just don't care enough about anything to, to risk that. Like, you know, my niece's birthday was this this past weekend or and you know, obviously today is Father's Day and we just called, you know, we just mm-hmm. called our 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 dads and you know mailed a gift to my niece because it's like i'm not 
what's the point? Like, why would I drive down there? Yeah. yeah, and what was the point of this, like, two months of not seeing everyone just to kind of throw it out the window? <laughs> yeah. Right when it's, you know, even worse than it was. And well, I've, there, and there's been this weird response, like, uh, so there's been a lot of people on, on my friends list, and I won't, like, call anyone out, but, but people going to theaters, I mean, like, it was my first time in a theater for two months, and they're going to watch, like, some, like, repertory movie, like, like why like is it really worth it to go watch you know fucking you know uh back to the future 2 in the theater to like risk coronavirus for like it's it's just such a <laughs> weird thing to me like the uh, like drive-ins i kind of understand at the at the least like i get how that like a drive-in Ooh, I bought tickets to one at yeah. the end of this month i'm going to see um i think it's dazed and confused over at the it's called, like, a rooftop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. A no someone's problem. Gonna be, I mean, someone's going to be hotboxing. <laughs> <laughs> My husband's never seen it, so I'm excited to see what he thinks. But yeah, he's going to yeah. be like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> I know. I, I have a feeling he's not going to under like not not understand it, but just not get it because it is kind of like if you're in, from Texas and it's kind of niche, I guess. Yeah, what well, that, that's for sure. Um. <laughs> so we'll see. I'll let y'all know. But that's in like ten days, and I mean, it's gonna be. I, we're gonna stay in our vehicle, obviously, the whole time. We're not gonna purchase any food or anything. So that's like zero risk, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's as yeah. I mean, that's as zero risk as you can get for something like that. And I, I think that's. I mean, I get it. I, I've never been a fan of the concept of a drive-in. Like it doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't seem to be the ideal situation to watch a movie in. For sure. Well, you don't go and see something that you're super, you know, excited or interested you go to, to hear You go word. to make out with your best girl. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, fuck me. That was Man, weird. That's a stupid, terrible joke. I've seen some weird ass movies at a drive-in. Like, like I saw, uh, <laughs> what was the name? Alien Covenant at a drive-in. I saw oh. Arthur, the remake, at a drive-in <laughs> with, with Russell Brand. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the, there's the like the smaller dollar theater here near our house that's showing. I noticed the marquee the other day was showing. Uh, like Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Like, what? What are you doing with your life? <laughs> I just life? saw that on HBO Max. I know. It's it's like, what are you <laughs> doing great. with your life? What are you doing with your life that you need to go see that movie right now? I think a lot of people are going to see that, um, or they're going to spend their money in places like. If you look at the comments on the Draft House, they're not racing to open, and they have said from the very beginning that they're not going to unless they can ensure the safety of. Not just the audience, but the people that work there. And when you read the comments, the people are saying, this is why you're the only theater I'm going to go to when this is okay. Like when when we figure out, you know, that this is fine, I'm going to go straight to Alamo Drafthouse. And I think that's the kind of like brand loyalty that you get when you don't do something like AMC and you just don't think about safety and you just are thinking about opening to make money. I I get that, though I also think that that Alamo Drafthouse, ironically, has probably the most like likelihood of germs <laughs> added. For sure, because of all the food and yeah, 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 yeah. And it's a high touch environment where you have close, you know, close contact with you know servers and they're not and... supposed to touch you. Cody. Oh, Cody, mm. that, if they're yeah. doing that, you need to tell. A, you need to tell <laughs> I, did an adult. I raise my, my raise my Cody, card okay, and yeah. write it down? <laughs> you need to tell an adult, Cody. An adult. Uh, well, the the the. Um, the uh, restaurant we went to yesterday, they didn't have paper menus or any kind of physical menus. You just had to scan a QR code on your mm-hmm. phone and What's look at it. What's the future? 
<laughs> I mean, it was kind of a pain in the ass because QR codes <laughs> suck balls, but. Uh, oh, I, is I, that potty humor? Or is that good? Hmm. Oh, what no, is, it's okay. Is, that's okay. good. I'll allow it. Okay. But if your balls <laughs> dip in the toilet water. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the. Uh, I wonder if Draft House is going to get like less strict on their kind of phone and uh, texting policy because that seems to be the way these things are going now with uh, with like menus and stuff, right? Like putting the menus all online. Oh, that's a I mean, good point. They're not going to take your ass out if you have your phone out. Hopefully. Yeah, because um, their menus. I mean, those are gross. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> just that like plastic packet in the the slot that's been there. Who knows how long. Uh, so I, I'm curious if that's going to change how they how they order, or if maybe you'll like order before you go in or some shit. I, I don't know. It's it's interesting to how that may change, uh, especially with uh, how close they get to you. Like the like they get right up on you. The servers do. Yeah, they don't touch me, Cody. <laughs> they have a no touching policy. Uh, but like, are you going to feel comfortable getting popcorn like at an AMC? Like or, or even like all of them now have the self serve soda things like right. those things are dirty anyway. Yeah, like I, the community jalapenos and stuff are gone, <laughs> <laughs> or the the butter pump. Oh god, the <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway, I'm I, again. I, I don't think I'd be ready to go to. I mean, unless something drastically changes for the better. You're not going to be the guinea pig. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I mean, I go to to the HEB and and you know Walmart and Target and eight Lowe's and Home Depot. I mean, that's enough. You know, that's just shopping. Like I'm not interacting with people, and it's not really, you know, I'm not sitting there for two hours breathing the same air that everyone else is. Yeah, well, and, and with these movies too, especially from our standpoint of covering them, like. I would not go to screenings because I didn't want to sit in traffic. And so, <laughs> so, it's, like, so it's very true. So, so death is kind of a, a deal breaker. Go yeah, ahead. I mean, I, I would answer. be like, uh, you know, I'm busy. Like, I could just go see this for four bucks on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Instead of going at a Tuesday, on a Tuesday night. Um, yeah. I, you know, and those those critic screenings, or at least the, the preview screenings they do, they always pack them in. Like, they literally yeah. tell you, like, we're going to fill every seat in this well, house. And not only that, but those people are congregating outside for hours and hours just in line. Yeah. And that's not going to be something that they're going to... How are they going to enforce social distancing with, like, 300 people waiting inside of a theater for, for five hours? Well, and they can barely contain that line as it is. It's always yeah. unruly as shit. Yeah. Anyway, um, so uh, Godspeed to everyone who goes out to a movie on... Uh, july 17th or whenever it reopens yeah let us know how tenant is and we'll be reviewing uh all of the great VOD releases. <laughs> man i was i was on another podcast i was on uh, the ramble today and and they had a jerry and eddie had a huge laugh because uh, we were talking about vod movies and um at south by southwest last year i watched <laughs> i watched a documentary about who let the dogs out uh <laughs> the song and, yeah, yeah, about the song. And it was about a guy who kind of like dedicated years of his life to researching the origins of who let the dogs out. Wow. It's, it's on Hulu now, um, and it was apparently very funny that that even existed. So wait, what? I don't get it. What are you saying? That, that w- that's what you would go to the theater to see? Right? No, no, no. It, it's, just, it's just like it, it, we were talking. They were asking me if like these uh, VOD movies are actually like how many of them are 
like unwatchably bad or how many of them are actually good. Oh. And so it's it's like the niche stuff that we find ourselves in <laughs> is, is eventually going to lead us down a hole to where we're, you know, watching documentaries about who let the dogs out. That sounded really good. I was going to mark it down and, and go and watch it. It's, an, it's only an hour those long. those movies are very, are really good. Like they sound insane and then you see them and you're like, that had a lot of heart. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> you never know. Yeah, because Who Let the Dogs Out is about women empowerment, female yes, empowerment. Yes, there you go. <laughs> what? what? Is that really true? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> oh, God, I thought you were joking. <laughs> no, no, <Yeah>. no, no. <laughs> wow. I don't even understand what's happening. Right I almost now. got canceled on accident. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good job, Cody. Uh, all right, uh, anything else before we move on? Uh, no. Okay, <laughs> good. No potty humor. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, get started on reviews. Here are this week's reviews. First up, we have 7,500. European 162, please report your emergency. European 162, what's your emergency? Michael? I'm fine. Okay. Just focus now, I'm bringing down the airplane. Yeah. Okay. European 162, what's your emergency? Wait, the 7 This is Tobias Ellis, the first officer speaking. The captain is injured, but he's okay. Several men attacked our cockpit. We stopped them for now. One of them is still in the cockpit. He's unconscious. The rest are in the cabin. Status of the crew, I don't know. I just hope they're safe in the back. Understood. How many passengers are on board? 85. Okay, where would you like to go to? Um, towards airport. I don't know. Is that how you say it? 7500? Cody? What is it 7500? I think 7, that's what he said on the movie. It's a 7500. Yeah. I'm going to leave this I'm going right. to leave this part in cuz we're discussing it and I like it. Yeah. Um so 7500 is what they say in the movie, but I say 7500 cuz I'm an American. Uh, <laughs> I say 7500. <laughs> Do you know like uh that's how incorrect. confusing it is like in Spanish, you they the Spanish writing doesn't use commas, they use periods. Mm -hmm. So it's very distracting. Um, and because I'm a, a dirty American with no culture, uh, <laughs> Cody, tell us about seven five zero zero and uh, what you thought of it. So the seven five zero zero, also known as seventy five hundred, uh, is a movie that uh, it, it's 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 Joseph Gordon-Levitt's first movie in like, isn't it something like six years or something four to six years something like that? Uh, has it been out? When was the 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 uh, the tightrope movie. Ooh, man, man on wire. Man on whatever well, it was that called. was. It, what, I no, the document, the documentary. Not that's the Man on Wire's documentary, but uh, yeah. What was the other one? I, I know. I anyway. Um, that was in. Um, uh, what the hell was that called? 2015. It's called so the, the Walk. Walk. Yeah. So uh, he made. I think Snowden was the last movie he made, um, which was really bad. That was in 2016. So it's its first movie in four years. Um, but, um, it, it, uh, it, it's sort of this, uh, it's a, it's a story that is about basically a plane that, uh, like a plane in Germany that gets hijacked and, um, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays a pilot and essentially tries to navigate, you know, for, you know, trying to thwart off hijackers and then trying to, 
um, basically get a safe landing with, you know, people coming into the cockpit. And um, it's, I mean, it's a pretty basic movie. There's not much to it. Um, it, it's, it's, It's interesting stylistically in that it takes place basically entirely in a cockpit. Um, and there's certainly a cockpit. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. You know, I'm just (laughs) trying to be a serious film critic here, and you are... I keep missing them. I missed the 69. I missed the cockpit, so I appreciate you pointing them out to me. Thank you. So that I can giggle. Yeah, well, we usually don't let those go unnoticed, so... (laughs) Um, So, so basically, the the movie takes place entirely in the cockpit of this um, German airline plane and um you know i i think the there's certainly some interesting stylistic flair it looks really good i think and it and it does a lot with the little like there's interesting tricks it makes impartially i think maybe to its detriment uh makes the cockpit look much bigger than it is um uh but uh a lot of the drama of the of the film comes from um from uh joseph gordon levitt's character uh, like watching what's happening on this camera um, that is uh, like outside of the cockpit door where he can see people trying to get in. And so there's a lot of, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing and reacting to that. And then there's, you know, some other stuff. And and, and it's, you know, I, I, when I was thinking about it, I was thinking about how the movie is kind of inherently intense just because of the subject matter and what happens. But it's it's really told in a very boring way. Um, where I, I think that like the er, the early part where they're just kind of getting ready to take off is like really mundane and boring. And, and I think I, I think, you know, the way I was thinking about it was that maybe they're just trying to show how, you know, mundane a flight can start and then kind of go off the rails. But, you know, it, it tells it tells the story in a way that we really don't see anything um, happening in like the cabin of the plane. So any struggles that there are, you know, between these hijackers, and I think there's what three of them. There's four, I believe. Okay, four, four, three or four of them. It's happening like behind the curtain, so you don't see. You see like a, a hint of a struggle. You see a few things, and I think it's just it kind of tells a really predictable story a- along the way. And you know, it's it's problematic in that it feels like a movie that that would have come out in like the late two thousands, where it's got like a very like stereotypical like Muslim villain <laughs> yeah. with, with no motive other than they, they hate. It's not even America. Right. I mean, it's, 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 well, they're like, they're, they're, they're German born Muslims. I mean, there's, there is kind of history there, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's still very, it's not a, a traditional American Muslim story. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, sorry, Muslim versus America, but it's like a, sorry islam versus american sentiment but it's like it's that's where the the this this current strife is is in europe yeah yeah and and i think that it 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 toys with a few interesting things like there's there's some like moral dilemma stuff that goes on but it's it's almost like it's quickly resolved and dealt with and i you know i I feel bad for joseph gordon levitt because i think he actually gives a really good performance in the movie and um and easily elevates the material from being kind of generic and and and, and somewhat boring to uh to being you know at least interesting to watch him and it, there's a lot of emotion there and I think he does a really good job um, with very little uh but the movie just kind of plays out exactly like you expect it to and then eventually when you know when the the, the plane comes down 
you you think that that might be like the conclusion of the movie and there's a shocking amount of movie left once the plane comes back down and you're just kind of like uh, you instantly it's telegraphed what's going to happen and you're just kind of waiting for it to happen and and play out so i don't think it's a terrible movie um by any stretch it's i think it's a, not a good one but um but man it's just it's just super predictable jocelyn what did you think yeah bless bless his little heart he acts like <laughs> like in his first year of acting school like this is my moment you know it's like basically practically a monologue the whole time it's just him in the cockpit and um he does his very best i think to make this an interesting movie and and he's by far the best part of it but um like cody was saying it's really there's nothing more to it other than what you already know going into it it's it's pretty predictable um, and in a in a really kind of uh, I guess sort of surprising way that you're like wow this is legitimately what the movie is about that's it and and you know the whole Islam thing them being these you know bad guys there's there's no nuance to it at all um, as far mm-hmm. as mundane goes yeah in fact even when he starts you know the the terrorists start taking hostages. You don't really care because they haven't done anything to make you care for these people at all. Um, You know, like Cody was saying at the beginning, it's just kind of showing how, you know, it's a normal flight. And I think they do a little bit to try to build like a backstory for these characters. Um, But other than that, there's really no uh, buy-in, I guess, from the viewer to, to really care about what's going on. Yeah, uh, um, so I kind of feel the same way. It, it's very predictable. I think it's a nice uh, little slice of like real tension for for a, a while in this, you know, that it's in this confined space and and all this stuff is happening. Um, I just don't think it's a very like timely story. Like like Cody mentioned, this feels like something that's a relic from the the you know late 2000s for us in the united states i mean i know it's a different thing in europe currently but uh the idea that first of all the idea that like the hijackers uh, so the the basic idea is the hijackers go to the duty-free shop and make knives out of like vodka bottles or something and it's seems like all right i guess and then the the idea that so they're flying from Berlin to Hanover, which isn't really that far. Well, they're doing Berlin to Paris, and then they have to make the emergency landing in Hanover. Yeah, well, so, yeah, sorry, that's what I mean. Like, the emergency landing in Hanover. And I, I would assume, looking at the distance between those two cities, this film takes place almost in real time. Like, I don't think there's much... I much... thought that was kind of interesting, yeah, because he, when he said, you know, we're going to be landing in 20 minutes, I realized that that was kind of, yeah, like a real-time moment in the movie. Yeah, and I, I think there's some, you know, it, kind of like the procedural stuff that happens is is pretty tight, I think. You know, and, and like Cody, you, when you brought up that, the, you know, the, the kind of checklist they're going through to start the, the flight, I think that helps with the mundanity of it all, um, like set the mood for how it can go wrong so quickly. But by the time the plane lands, I think it really comes off the rails um, and just turns into... Um, I mentioned this before the show started. It's just Captain Phillips again, <laughs> yeah. Um, which is a is a great great movie with a great performance from Tom Hanks. But it ends the almost exact same way. Well, I think it's funny you say that because 
uh, Captain Phillips is Paul Greengrass, and he did United 93. I was thinking about that. Which was an incredible movie. I, I went into that movie thinking it was going to be like this, you know, the this certain type of movie, like a pro-America kind of like, yeah. And it was so wonderful, and it was done so well. Um, and, and I think that was in my head a lot during this. Um, because this just falls so far from that. And, and you know, there's a, a point in the film where, um, you know, something's happening to, to Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character on a personal level that um, causes him to, like, ask the passengers to revolt, mm-hmm. which I feel like is something that would have happened right away. <laughs> right. Like, also, like, yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but also when he was playing with the um, toggle, like to make the plane move, I wondered about that too. Like, why why didn't he think of that before? Right, and it's it just seems like a relic at this point because it seems like something that we've already seen before, and like a situation that we've already kind of dealt with in a different film, namely Captain Phillips. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, what's your grade for seven five zero zero, Cody? Uh, certainly not unwatchable. Um, I like I said, I think that it's it's got some creative filmmaking in it, and it's got a good Joseph Gordon-Levitt performance. But it's it's really I don't think it's worth watching. So I give it a C. Jocelyn. Yeah, I'd rather go back and watch United ninety three again. I gave it a C also. I'm gonna give it a B minus. I'm gonna be a little nicer than you guys because I think the first two thirds of it are, are are decent enough. I think is when when they finally land the plane and it gets a little contrived and and. Uh, you know, predictable is when it comes off the rails. So B minus for me. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to our next movie, Baby Teeth. I hate to ask you this. I'm trying to put some money together to get a bed in a shelter. I only got 50. 50? That's too much. I can't. Can Twitter? Uh, no, no, no. 50 is okay. If I give you 50, you have to do something for me. Is this a style? I was going for rat's tails. You look like a different person. What have you done with my daughter? I killed her. <laughs> oh my god. <clears throat> what are you doing here? What are you doing here? You make a habit of befriending girls that are significantly younger than yourself. Oh my god! Mila's obsessed with that boy. She's a smart girl. Mila? That boy has problems! So do I! What are you looking at? Piss off. Oh god. I lost my hair. It looks cool. It's like way better than the one that I gave you. No. <laughs> this is an Australian movie starring one of Cody's uh, man crushes, mm-hmm. uh, Ben Mendelsohn. Yes. Uh, you're a very big Ben Mendelsohn fan. Yes, I am. Um, but uh, we're going to kick this to Jocelyn first. What did you think? Uh, tell us about Baby Teeth and tell us what you thought of it. Sure. I didn't know that about you and Ben Mendelsohn, but I'm a convert after this. I I had a bit of a crush on him. He plays a... It's uh, <laughs> the mustache. Yeah, it was the mustache. It really was because I've seen him in other things and, and just, it you know, wasn't that great. But this, the mustache, it really pulled it all together. But anyway, so as you said, an Australian movie, uh, it's kind of like a... A family drama. The um, father Ben is a uh, psychiatrist, and um, his wife is uh, sort of this. You know, she's she's a pianist, and I don't know how to do this succinctly. But what, what was that? What a pianist! <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, she is a piano player, okay. and um, over medicated because her, her husband is 
you know, writing some prescriptions. They have a daughter who um, is, uh, I guess, you, you know, she, this isn't a spoiler, but she has cancer. Well, she meets a young kid that she kind of falls in love with. Um, uh, I guess young isn't the correct word, Cody. Or kid. <laughs> or kid, <laughs> a, you're he's right. He's a man. He's an adult he, man. She, <laughs> she's the, the daughter's 16, he's 23. Yeah. Keep in mind, this is Australia, so. Um. That's what I said, you know? So, yeah, you're right. I'm so sorry. This teenager meets a grown-ass man. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> she falls in love with him. And then the story just kind of um, is about her and her family and their struggle. Of course, they don't like this kid or this man um, coming into their lives. They can't stop. This child, this This, 23-year-old child. Yes. (laughs) Um, I didn't have a problem with the fact that they had this age difference. Um, Although that was when I thought she was 17 turning 18. She was, in fact, 16. He's 23. Um, that didn't bother me so much about this movie because I I think it really kind of shows what it's like to be a teenager, you know, a 16 year old girl, especially one who's terminal. Um, you're not making great decisions. You're not making decisions based on whether you are going to have a future. You are just trying to like survive and, and, and have some sort of a normal life. And I think when that, when the movie uh, showed that it was so lovely and and there were really beautiful moments in this movie um ultimately you know what's going to happen it's going to be a tearjerker and uh and uh, what did i read the uh, a title of an article where it said not just another teen cancer movie because this is kind <laughs> of a, a new category of movies that we're seeing is the terminally ill you know uh teenager um but i think getting there and along the way this movie is really beautiful and the way it's made is really lovely and and i enjoyed it uh i think all in all now uh not to be that guy but uh the age of consent in australia is 16 thank you no i i brought that up when when um you'll hear someone else who is really bothered by that but i wondered if if maybe it being in australia had had something to do with that yeah because so. i i did kind of uh, just to before we get to cody i just did kind of wonder about that myself but then i realized eh, it's probably different and i looked it up and, <laughs> yeah. anyway cody yeah uh so i, I so, so i i think it's 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 pianist so i think for me i'm very very conflicted about about the movie all around because it's you know some of the some of the biggest conflict I've had in a while because I think that there's a lot of good elements to the movie. Um, I think the performances across the board are really great. Um, ben Mendelsohn's great. Um, yes, we get it. <laughs> as is as are the rest of the cast. It's got um, oh gosh, I can't even. Eliza remember. Scanlon is um, is the daughter. She was also the the dying daughter in uh, uh, Little Women. Right, ah. and then the 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 mom from the Babadook. Oh, uh, Essie Davis. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, I, I I and I kind of like its storytelling where it sort of happens in little chapters that have um, like little titles to them. Um, here's the thing with these types of movies, and I think this is where the, it sort of doesn't work for me. Is that when you have a movie like this, for me at least, 
the whole thing kind of hinges on the central relationship, right? So if you if you put legwork in and if you become invested in this relationship that's central to the movie, which is the one between Mila and Moses, the 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 girl and the man um, in the movie. Um, They're both adults in Australia. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I understand that you are a keeper of the law and know that. But I'm uh, like that Michael ba- that scene in uh, <laughs> the Transformers, um, Transformers movie. <laughs> Yeah. It's called the Romeo and Juliet law. <laughs> like, why are we talking about this shit in the middle of a fucking Transformers movie? <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, it all hinges on that relationship. And I think for me, the relationship does not feel right to me at any point. And I think it feels problematic in a couple different areas. One is the age gap. And to me, the age gap feels like icky for me. And I don't, I can't, I can only speak for myself in that, but it's, but like, there's a point made of it, but she's also, she also acts like a child, I think. And I think maybe that's why it's weird to me because she, 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 she's a, a bit childish and he is very much, you know, a, a, an adult man. So I, I think for one, the age gap, it, you know, feels a little bit wrong to me. Um, I think the bigger problem here though, is that. You know, you have sometimes these characters where someone falls in love with someone who's like rough around the edges or like, you know, has a good heart but and means well but is kind of making a lot of mistakes. And I think Moses is a f- is an absolute tornado of bad influence in the movie. <laughs> to the point where, you know, this guy is actively stealing, you know, medication from, you know, the house and then he gets kicked out and then he comes back and he's, you know, he's he's using her basically for a lot of the movie. Now you could argue that she's using him as well because part of the theme of the movie is that she's, you know, she's in this state. She's she's got you know this cancer and, and wants to live a little bit and, and do things on the extreme. And I and I understand that, but at the same time, there's almost like I don't buy into this guy being so such a magnetic figure in her life, and I also don't buy into this guy being someone that anyone would reasonably and rationally keep around. Because again, he is stealing, he's a drug user, a drug addict, he's a drug dealer. Like there's all of these things about him that are very unsavory, but you know, to the point where, you know, stealing medication from from this house that he's trying to, you know, that he's being invited into just again feels like a very um you know, it feels like a really you know, like I said, it's not just that he's rough around the edges, he's just kind of a bad person, Cody, I think. Cody, he's a bad boy. And like I you know, you've never been a sixteen year old girl, okay? It's it's there's something that draws <laughs> young women sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, but he's a bad boy, you know, it's kind of hot and sexy. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I've never I've never fallen for a bad boy, so uh I can't speak to that. But um but yeah, and, and I think for me, it just kind of fumbles everything. I also think that there is some some decision making within the movie that I just don't love. I don't. I, there's a there's a side there's a B or C plot with Ben Mendelsohn and a pregnant woman, and I think you could just like cut that whole thing out. I don't that uh, that gives me nothing. I don't I don't really like that storyline. Um, and and so at the end of the day, for me, while the filmmaking is good, while the acting is good. Um, and while, uh, you know, the story is admittedly good, there's, there's some interesting stuff. I think it has a great final scene, scene. Um, I really like the way that the ending is punctuated and the implications of the end. But for me, that central relationship for a number of reasons does not work for me. Yeah. I'm going to agree with you on that one, Cody. I, I think that, I think that that's really the biggest problem in the movie is that this guy, look, he's not just a, a, 
a bad boy like Jocelyn fell for when she was sixteen. Uh, he's he's a prick. Like he's he's uh, he's. It's not like the like we talked about last week with Pete Davidson in The King of Staten Island. Like he's not just a lovable loser. He's just a flat out like criminal jerk off. Yeah. And um, I think that's probably the biggest issue the mo- that I have with the movie is that this guy is just this character is so unappealing. Um, you know, and the daughter falls for him for whatever reason and uh you know just to to kind of keep her her happy in her last days they let him stick around but it's just such an unappealing character with no real redemption i don't think that it doesn't i mean there's there's something he does like in the last one of his last scenes that's that he almost does or, or starts to do that's like it's awful. I mean, it's you know, it's obviously in the context of the movie, it's different. But I mean, it's just this guy is not a good guy. And also, just to add really quickly, because his even when he does have a bit of redemption, so to speak, it's transactional. Like he's not he's he's doing it for a reason. He's not, you know, right. You know like, what there, I mean? With there's like, no, yeah. I mean, it's just like it's basic human decency. <laughs> like it's not it's not him, um, you know turning over a new leaf or anything so that's my biggest problem with the movie and i think the, like you said the subplot with ben mendelson and the pregnant woman i don't i don't really get um you know there's there's some good moments in here and i think the story is good and i think it's you know it's it's predictable and i think um the way we get there is a little different than than a normal kind of teen cancer movie is that the genre genre we were talking about yes um but you know ultimately i think that the character is too unappealing the character of moses is too unappealing to to really win me over at all and it really rubbed me the wrong way the whole movie yeah i I just it it, and it's one of those things too where you're 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 just kind of begging for that moment of redemption because i think you in the movie you want more for mila like i think you want you want her to be happy and she's just (laughs) she's just stuck attached to this guy who is awful to her and it's just it's a very weird thing it was a very weird thing for me yeah okay but, great okay, wait one what? one thing you know at the end don't you see though that he really did have you know genuine feelings for her isn't that for I me mean, that he, was kind of yes but, but it's undercut Maybe by the fact that he was he was doing them. it in exchange for prescriptions. Like, it, like it's that's that's but, the looming but, cloud. But maybe it wasn't even apparent to him how much he cared for her. Do you, do you know what I, I mean? I, I did, like it I, wasn't I get, like so blatant. If it had been that um, he was this great guy, that you know, then it, there was no movie. It's it's the fact that he is a bad. Well, kid, I'm, but I think that, that parents think, hate him. You know, I think there's a. I think the idea is that there's a that there would need to be some sort of redemption for what he's doing. I I mean, look, I get it that he's like that that he's a bad kid, but it's like he doesn't seem to be, um, like there's no kind of uh, inciting incident. Like he tells a story about his dad, which is fine. Like he met him once, but then like the rest of it, it doesn't really like we don't really get a sense of why he's doing what he's doing. You know, there's there's no sort of arc from like there's there's no like hey this guy's terrible but we find out why he's terrible and he kind of redeems himself he's just sort of a shitty guy <laughs> like he's a young shitty guy and I think the the scene that you're talking about at the end right I think it's you know I, I think it's a normal human reaction that he would have had in that situation right regardless of the person that he is so I don't think it really counts as some sort of redemption. 
in my in my opinion. Okay. I, I just don't think that that moment, like what he what happens to him at that moment, and we're talking about the scene before the very last scene, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens to him at that moment is something that would affect him in that way, regardless of how big of a prick he was. Um, For me, it showed that he had cared the whole time, whether he was able to show it or not. I I I disagree, but yeah, um, I don't. I've never fallen in love with a bad boy. <laughs> so uh, grades, Jocelyn. Um, I am struggling on whether I would recommend it or not, but I think I would. I'm going to do a B minus. Cody. Yeah, I just can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> I, I was thinking about it, and I have it in my notes, and I just I'm going to have to fall with a C plus. I don't know. I'm going to do um, uh, C plus two just because I did not like that character so much that it really bothered me. And his uh, I think the performances are great. What? And his haircut. Well, that's just Australia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the face tattoos, though. Oh, yeah. I saw uh, someone like make make a reference. I forget what review it, but it looked like it was like a die antwood uh, haircut. Oh, oh yeah, I could totally see that. God Almighty, <laughs> I still hate that movie with a passion, Chappie. <laughs> oh, um, I didn't know they had a movie. They 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 starred it. They for some reason die antwood starred in the movie Chappie. Okay, it's terrible. It's a terrible, terrible movie. <laughs> it's like it, it, like other than like. Um, Watching the robot get the shit beat out of him, which was really funny, because I fucking hated that robot too. <laughs> and like Dev Patel, like being stuck in there, and then Hugh Jackman being like an evil guy in shorts. <laughs> that was the only redeeming part. Of it's it. a very misguided movie. It's it's oh. it's one of it's one of it was the second, I believe, because wasn't Elysium before that? Yeah, it's this. It's like the second Neil Blomkamp like turd in a row <laughs> after uh, District Nine. Anyway, I think it's like the one that finally sunk him from being like the wonderkin to nothing. Anyway. The nunderkin. Uh, right? uh, yeah, hey, there you go. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to our next movie, Miss Juneteenth. I will never get over seeing Miss Juneteenth cleaning toilets. <laughs> the winner of Miss Juneteenth will receive a full scholarship to any historically black institution of your choice. Good luck. I know. That you are looking to replicate your success. What's her problem? I beat her. When we get the new place, we can bring you on more regular. I hate to see you working so hard. I'm doing the best I can. I don't have the rest of the money. We don't do credit. We don't do layaway. <laughs> you got something for her account? You know I can't carry that kind of money on me, girl. I'll be right by y'all this time. I've been holding it down a long time around here. She my dream now. I'm gonna make sure that she's something that we ain't. This is a film uh, set and shot in Texas. Yeah, uh, Fort Worth. Fort Worth. Cody, tell us about Miss Juneteenth and what you thought of it. Wait, sorry, did I? Is that the right order? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Are you gonna leave that in too? I'm gonna leave that in too, because cool. who cares? <laughs> so I couldn't remember who talked about the last one first, but whatever. So uh, with Miss Juneteenth, it is uh, a movie about um, this this woman who uh, was a a pageant. There's a Miss Juneteenth pageant um, within their town, and she was a winner very many years ago. I think it's you have to be like I guess a, a teenager. Um, I think her daughter was like 14 or something like that. 
Um, and, uh, and basically you get like a college scholarship and, and all of this stuff. And basically, um, um, uh, she had it. And I think the implication there is that shortly after she won the Miss Juneteenth, she got pregnant and had her daughter and, um, and, uh, basically it's about her daughter being the age to try to, um, enter in this pageant and, um, and so she does it, but she's only doing it really to appease her mom. And so there's a lot of drama that happens within her mom trying to kind of keep afloat and, 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 you know, spending a lot of money and pumping money into the dress and the application while also struggling for, you know, to keep the electricity on and to pay bills. And then there's a, there's like a semi deadbeat dad situation going on. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, uh, I, I don't. It, to me, this this film is is a bit hard to connect to. I think, and I, maybe I'm just the wrong audience for it. Um, but uh, I, I I think that the first thirty minutes are extremely repetitive of the movie, and I think once it, it like hits the point where you know you're essentially watching um, a teenage girl get kind of like talked into doing something she clearly doesn't want to do with entering in this pageant. And it's almost like the mother is oblivious to this, like the whole time. Like if the audience can clearly see it, it's kind of weird that the mother doesn't see that she's just dumping money into something. Like at no point does she want to be doing this pageant, and at no point does it appear otherwise. Um, so I, I think it's it, a lot of it kind of builds toward like I guess a, a drama about a you know a, a pageant and a dress, and I just I just really wasn't into it and and i think you know it has you know the themes that it has are really unsubtle um i don't i don't think there's any subtlety to the storytelling at all and and ultimately i just really had a hard time connecting with anything um and i think you know again the good theme here is that i think all the performances are pretty good um but like i mean i don't know like even there's like a, a semi love triangle thing going on it's not really a love triangle but she's she's you know with or between two two men two suitors and like one of them is is like the is like the ex or the father of the of the child and then the other one is just this character that kind of comes in and out of the movie with no real purpose and like there's no legwork done on any of it to make him see seem like a convincing suitor other than the fact that like there's maybe some implied history there and i don't know i just i just was not i just wasn't interested in in really anything that was going on all right, Jocelyn. Um, I'm going to agree about that love triangle, but I really liked to see the mother have this sort of blind ambition for her daughter. Um, it's sort of the whole thing of like lost opportunity. Like I won this and I could have made something with my mm-hmm. life and I didn't. So you're going to. Um, and it had, you know, potential to be uh, really overdramatic and, and, and I loved that it didn't. It never went there. That it just showed their relationship in a really lovely way. The mother and the daughter, that is, and um, and and the even the daughter, even though she was reluctant to do it, she went along with it. There was no like fighting or you know, like I said, just like extreme drama. It was just very, um, it was just nice to watch. I thought, other than that whole side story of her deadbeat dad and and the the, the new guy, I thought the movie could have done without that. And it could have just been about the mother and the daughter because I thought that was kind of lovely. Um, but yeah, I, I, I liked it. I, I thought it is a little slow paced. Um, but I was just enjoying kind of watching it unfold. 
um, and and to see this relationship kind of uh, evolve and then what it turned into, I thought was really inspiring and I thought it was nice. Yeah, I, I look, I um, it's a it's a very small movie. It's a very um, you know very performance based film, and I, I think that. You know, the, the idea that this is, I agree with you, Jocelyn, the idea that this is about a, a driven woman who was, driven mother who feels like she squandered her chance with this Miss Juneteenth um, pageant winner. Because the, the winner gets a, um, a scholarship to uh, like a historically black uh, college or university, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get to, you know, that that's obviously something that she missed out on getting pregnant. Um, because she, it's said that she didn't even finish school. So, uh, she is putting, pinning this all on her daughter and the, the, her daughter's father is, is sort of a deadbeat. Um, and, uh, the, I think that I, I don't mind the, the second suitor. Like he's the, the kind of stability that, that she would need. He's the, like the owner of a funeral home that she works part time for. And he seems like a decent enough guy, you know, other than the fact that, um, you know they're they've they've got the history there too. That's the the kind of pull with him, and uh, I I think that's fine. I feel like it gives it some sort of lived in sense. I just think that um, it's probably a little predictable. I mean, not to kind of keep pushing that thing with these movies today, but it just kind of feels like you kind of you kind of get what's going to happen. You know, this this driven mother is going to kind of see the error of her ways when it comes to how she interacts with her daughter and then kind of change it to, you know, to, to, um, you know, write her own ticket as opposed to depending on something like a, a pageant win. I think, I think it's, I think it's a fine little movie. I just don't think it's, um, anything revelatory. I think the, the lead performance and I forget the actress's name. Um, God damn it. Um, I I think, I think she's job. You know, I think she's really good. And I mean, it's a very small, uh, it's a very small movie. Uh, um, it's, I think, a, a, a directorial debut from the, the director, um, Channing Godfrey Peoples. And uh, it, Nicole Beharry, I think, I don't know if that's how you say her name, but she's the, she's the actress that played, uh, that was the lead. Um, it, it's, it's a uh, oh, dog. Um, Sorry. No, 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 it's fine. She was in Sleepy Hollow, apparently, too. The dog? Um, yeah. Uh no, anyway, uh I, I thought it was I thought it was fine. I just don't think it's it's anything super uh super revelatory. I mean it's a it's a very look, this is obviously the movie has way more significance now um than it probably would have with the way the culture in this country is changing. Um uh, you know, we all grew up in Texas, right? You did too, Jocelyn, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've known about Juneteenth for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, it was something that was taught in schools. And it, it's something that I think is... Um, and of course, you know, the rest of the history figured out because Trump, you know, showed it, told everyone what it was, right? That's right. That's right. Everyone else figured out Juneteenth because of the president. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, um, there's that might actually be weirdly true in certain respects, which is... I won't go into it, but um, he made it popular. The, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> well, everyone uh, thinks it's going to become super commercial, and I'm glad that this movie kind of was already in production, obviously, because it came out, you know, around this time, and, and Juneteenth was Friday, so right. And it's um, 
you know, it, it takes on an added, added significance now, you know, and that this is like, a, I mean, this is an, an, an all black cast, um, a, a black director, um, you know, and it's, it's a very, you know, it's a very African-American story. I mean, Juneteenth is a very African-American. I mean, that's literally what it is. It's a holiday for, for when slaves were notified, they were free two years later in Texas. Cause I don't know. They just couldn't get around to telling people, I guess back then. Um, but you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's fine. It, it's, it's nothing, it's nothing revelatory, but I think it will have added significant, added, added, excuse me, added significance, um, in the culture that we're in now, because it's, people are becoming more aware of the plight of, uh, you know, people that don't look like them. So anyway, grades for Miss Juneteenth, Cody. Ah, you know, I it's it's it, to me it's inoffensive, but it's also uninteresting. I, I just could not connect to it. I have to give it a C plus. I wouldn't recommend it. Jocelyn, I would recommend it. I'm doing a B minus. I think you're right that it isn't. It doesn't, you know, pull any punches. Um, but I I thought it was, you know, a really kind of a nice perspective on, like you said, something really you know big that's going on right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it a B minus too. I think it's fun. It's one of those things that, um, you know, it's, it's again, it's, it's fine. It's not, there's nothing, there's nothing new here, but, um, it's a, it's a good little performance from, you know, a cast you don't see, you don't see this from, from an African-American cast, um, with an African-American director. Uh, okay. Let's go ahead and move on to our last movie. The ghost of Peter Sellers. That's the beginning of my career. I had tremendous attention. We're interested in the work of the director, Peter Madoc, who can be something special. The idea came to do this 17th century pirate comedy. A film starring Peter Sellers. He was the greatest comic actor in the world. But very difficult. I'm not difficult at all. Very, very, very difficult. The first second, Peter did everything to get off the movie. I'd have to think of something else. Everybody was getting stoned. Then was a big riot. What kind of person would fake a heart attack? I mean, this is insane. There is no way we can salvage this. The film was never shown. My career nearly was completely destroyed. I didn't see this one, but the two of you did, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, uh, uh, Jocelyn, tell us about The Ghost of Peter Sellers and what you thought of it. Sure. Um, so, The Ghost of Peter Sellers is a uh, documentary. Ghost? Oh. What did I say? <laughs> no, I, no, I was just saying The Ghost is a ghost. I'm oh, sorry. Was, yeah. Stupid joke. Anyway, so he... <laughs> <laughs> sorry. It, um, it's a documentary about uh, what was supposed to be one of Peter Sellers' last films, um, and it's just basically a shit show. <laughs> it never, it never sees the light of day. Um, everyone involved with it, it just basically collapses. And, um, it was, it, it was a pirate movie called The Ghost of Noonday Afternoon. Is that it, Cody? It was The Ghost of Noonday Sun, I think. That's right? okay. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, you you see this the, the the movie that they were making and it it doesn't look great. It doesn't it doesn't appear like it would be something that I would want to watch. Um but then adding to it everything that was going on behind the scenes, 
uh, a you know large part was that Peter Sellers was incredibly difficult to work with. But I don't think that he was the only reason this movie, you know, fell apart. Like there was infighting, of course, between him and the and the other actors. Um, but there was a lot of disputes behind the scenes among the filmmakers. Uh, there was a lot of uh, struggles with the, um, you know, with the cost of the film. I think they had the idea that they wanted to go and vacation in Europe and and this movie was kind of a farce for all of them to go to Greece and have this <laughs> lovely vacation. Um so I I'm a huge Peter Sellers fan. I I mean I don't I don't know anyone who really, you know, isn't a fan of his from his acting. Um but I think that gives him a little bit of a a sort of uh, pass, like a free pass for being a bit of an asshole. Um, so I I didn't mind it. It didn't change my view of him. Um, the The movie, I think, does a good job of, of, of saying like, okay, this was the uh, environment that this, that this movie was trying to be made in. Um, he had just had a bad breakup with Lisa Minnelli. There was all these other things that were going into it that kind of all led to its demise. Um, and while it was interesting to, to, to kind of watch, I think ultimately I was bored by the movie. <laughs> Cody. Well, just to add a couple points to what Jocelyn said. So the, 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 so the ghost in the noonday sun was directed by Peter Medak, who, um, who also directed this documentary, right? So, it's not just about, and, and I think this is where the, the, the documentary ultimately wins me over, is that it's not just about how Ghost in the Noonday Sun got tanked, but it's about Peter Medak's, uh, like, he believes that this movie, like, fucked up his career, right? He believes that this this movie, like like, got him into a funk that he basically, you know, never recovered from, and he still, to, these, to this day, holds grudges he still to this day says that it's never left him and so a lot of this is him like excising demons about uh, uh, about this movie and talking to people who were financiers talking to people who were on set talking to peter sellers old manager um you know spouses of actors that were in the movie and so he's you know it's, it's him trying to make sense of what went wrong and ultimately have catharsis and let go of this really bad experience and so I think that piece is the best piece of the movie. Um, and I think that, um, like, yes, there's some interesting stuff. Yes, there's some crazy stuff. You know, Peter Sellers had a known heart condition, and he was so he was such a dick on this movie that he faked having a heart attack on set with a known heart condition and had a doctor write him a note that said he couldn't go to um, – that he couldn't perform. And then, like, a day later, he was in a tabloid eating dinner in England – uh, and they found out that he had faked the heart attack just to get off of set. So, you know, like doing shit like that and, and being purposely difficult um, uh, and, and, uh, and, and, then, and then kind of being in denial that it ever happened. You know, there's an interesting scene where Peter talks about how Sellers met with him years later and it was almost as if nothing had ever happened. Um, so I, I think that the telling of, of the stories of the film can get a little bit mundane, can get a little bit boring, um, and then, and then, like you have these little pockets where Peter Medak has this, like, um, has these moments of 
you know, growth or healing or, or perspective where he's kind of like literally you're seeing his catharsis come out on, on screen and seeing him become less and less haunted and letting go of this, you know, 30, 40 year grudge, however long it's been, um, that, that sort of just kind of dissipates and, and kind of an understanding that, you know, for a moment in time, he got to work with a comedic genius. And I think that's ultimately the thing is that, you know, yes, it was a pain in the ass. Yes. It almost ruined his career, but like, you know, he was, he was in his orbit for a short period of time and being in Peter Sellers orbit meant that you received the brunt of assholery. So, you know, <laughs> I, I think, uh, for that reason, I, 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 I found it enjoyable enough, you know, it's not as like it's not as crazy and 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 you know as something like you know you'll watch the disaster artist for example and see you know a real shit show and a real train wreck <laughs> right whereas this one it's just like you know they were shooting on on open water and it was in like they they were they got behind schedule and behind on money because they had to cancel days and um and like they were crashing the pirate ship they you know the first day of shooting the pirate ship that they were filming on crashed into the dock and caused damage like it's just you know stuff i'm glad you said that because for me it felt like overly polite british people complaining about really kind of not that crazy of you know dramatic things that were happening yeah yeah and i think and i think maybe there's there's it's maybe less dramatic than it's made out to be even though it's something that would certainly derail a movie but it's not like you know uh sensationalized stuff you know what i mean um so yeah so but at the end of the day I, I i kind of enjoyed this watching this guy's journey of letting go and i think that that ultimately got me on the winning side of things all right grades jocelyn yeah i'm glad you mentioned that about the filmmaker because i didn't realize but it definitely seems like he had a bit of an axe to grind and when it comes it's very down, petty sometimes yeah. <laughs> but um but now that you mentioned that i do like that that it, this was sort of him being able to tell his side of the story and get all of that out. Um, I wish I had learned more about Peter Sellers. You know, I wish it had gone more into who he was, his past. They mentioned like Dr. Strangelove, but they don't talk about like how incredible his performances were in the past and and how kind of beneath him this pirate movie was. Um, I'm going to give it a C plus. Cody. Yeah, I uh, and I think that is one thing that it doesn't do well. Is I, don't, I think it, it it expects you to walk into this movie understanding who Peter Sellers was and why he was important. Um, and uh, and yeah, but uh, I, I I give it enough to recommend it. I give it a B minus. All right, well that's gonna do it for this week. Next week, Cody, what is on tap? So is that is this finally the big week? The, Another big week? Uh, it is a big ish week, I guess. Um, okay. So the first one, uh, first movie we have up is a movie I know that you and I have seen. Um, uh, it's Irresistible, the John Stewart movie. Oh, did you watch that yet, Jocelyn? No, I haven't. Okay. Is yeah. it available? Yes, I sent you a screener oh, shoot. link request. Sorry about that. God, it I was like two weeks it. ago. So. Okay, I'll dig yeah. back through. Uh, so we have Irresistible, um, and then we have a run of. Um, indie movies that look interesting um though i might swap one of the one of these out with the eurovision movie i don't know yet oh yes the the will ferrell and uh rachel, rachel McAdams. McAdams. yeah but we have um we have a, a documentary called all i can say which is a documentary about uh shannon from blind melon um if you remember the, shannon hoon yeah the, the singer who died Yes, and so basically, it's a documentary that 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 is made entirely from his home movies, 
and um, it it got really great buzz out of um, buzz like the bumblebee girl. <laughs> Son of a bitch, Cody! You fucking the genius. Girl. Yeah, that was a thinker. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it 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 had a it had a premiere at Tribeca last year and uh, was really well received. There's also a, a a South Korean movie called House of Hummingbird that is supposed to be really good. It won the Grand Prix at the Berlin Film Festival last year. Um, and then I, I will probably swap. There's one called Beats that's supposed to be pretty good, but I might swap that out for Eurovision. I don't know yet. I think we should do Eurovision. I want to. I want to see if it's a train wreck or not. It so. certainly looks like one. And I, it, like you and I talked about this a little bit, but I don't. That those jokes are not going to, like, American audiences are not going to understand. Even just the, I think even the notion of the concept of Eurovision. Oh, this is the one with Will Ferrell. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Will Ferrell like and Rachel the, McAdams. Yeah. 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 Hmm. All right. Well, um, on that note, if you want to reach us, uh, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob.net. Find us on Twitter at Cinesnob, uh, Facebook, Cinesnob Critic. This is our other podcast, Re-MCU, um, uh, where we're rewatching watching uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and reevaluating them. Uh, also, uh, Corin Stream, our latest episode, uh, is up with um, uh, Santos Montano. Uh, episode two, we talk a lot about Gremlins two, and uh, what was the other movie? Uh, Kings of Summer and Joe versus the Volcano. Kings of Summer and Joe versus the Volcano. So that uh, that show that episode is up now. We've got another uh, couple episodes coming out in the next few weeks. Just want to say a quick uh, uh, condolence to one of our guests, uh, Andy Fiore. He was in episode uh, four or five of the show. I can't remember. Uh, his dad passed away. Uh, we talked about his dad quite a bit in the show. Uh, mm. His dad was ninety six passed away um over the weekend so uh, uh our condolences to our friend andy fiore who um was was talking about uh seeing movies with his old dad because <laughs> uh, andy's like my age and his dad was in his 90s uh, his 96 so that's a very uh a very big age discrepancy there um anyway um yeah our condolences to him and his whole family for that uh anyway uh what else cody uh, you can find me Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on The Ramble with Jerry Rocha and Eddie Pence. Oh, yeah. And then uh, uh, Jocelyn, you can uh, find her laughing at uh, uh, weenie humor, but not potty humor. <laughs> That's yes. right. So, um, yeah. Uh, anything else before we go, everyone? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just laughing at weenie humor. Weenie humor. That's what it's called, right? We should start a podcast called Weenie Humor. Uh, well, I hate to tell you, I've already, I've already started it, Cody. <laughs> this is it. I'm living it. Yeah, yeah. That's the subtitle of this one. Uh, Jocelyn, anything, anything going no, on in your world? Stay safe, everyone. It's getting scary out there again. Yeah, I saw your uh, your dog was has a cape. I did. Yeah, we gave him a cape, and that was the highlight of our morning because that's where we are right now. <laughs> it's the little things. Yeah. Uh, okay, on that note, I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And I'm Jocelyn Duran. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.